0: Welcome to Justice Rising, a podcast of the Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center, where we explore emerging justice work through story and relationship. I'm your host, Cecilia Flores. For this episode, I get to know Jessica Valdez, who organizes with the International Coalition for Human Rights in the Philippines, also known as ITREP. Jessica shares how organizing around issues in the Philippines helped her to reconnect with her identity as a Filipino in the diaspora discusses how her recent learning tour to the Philippines has helped fuel her desire to continue in the fight and invites our listeners to lean into curiosity so that we can recognize that we need each other in the long-haul fight for justice. And I'm so excited to have uh, from Seattle, Washington,
1: Jessica Valdez this morning. Good morning, Jessica. How are you? Good morning.
2: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: doing great. I thought maybe we could just start off, um, you know, with you introducing yourself. Who are you? What's important to you? Who do you love? Who is your community? Um, And who are you organizing with these days?
2: Sure. So I am based in Seattle, Washington, currently, but um, was born and raised in Hawaii, uh, on Oahu um my parents met in college at university of manoa um both of their families uh are from japan and the philippines so and both have connections to like different uh i don't know their their um experience growing up was pretty similar in that they would like be living in different parts of the the world throughout their childhood because of their fathers being part of different military branches, but yeah, they met in college, they had me and my brother, um, we grew up going to church together, different couple different churches, but I think, um, yeah, that background and faith really informs like why I do the work that I do today. So um, currently, I'm with the International Coalition for Human Rights in the Philippines, which is a global alliance um, with chapters all around the world. United in uplifting and advocating for the human rights situation in the Philippines, and I got involved. I got involved in this work, not through iChirp, but through a different organization called Gabriella um, in Seattle. And Gabriella um, is a national democratic organization fighting for. True liberation um, and addressing of the root problems in the Philippines that continued to cause uh a lot of harm and suffering among the masses of the people. But Gabriella was my way of um just becoming more familiar with the Philippines in general. Growing up, I had been more exposed to my Japanese side, so um Japanese culture, language, and food. Um, and so I didn't have a very strong grasp yet of um what it means to be filipino and filipino in diaspora um my grandfather migrated from the philippines to hawaii to work in the sugarcane plantation so um there's already like a lot of decades of i guess removal from the philippines but gabriella was my way of trying to reconnect and uh deepen my understanding of the philippines and that evolved into like I don't know a deep conviction I guess to to be part of this um ongoing movement of the Filipino people to um have their human rights upheld their dignity um respected their whole person like cared for and and acknowledged so um I think that's really what keeps me in this work and knowing that this is to me this is also part of the calling I I um resonate with around faith in, in serving and loving others as a way of serving and loving God. So that's kind of a short spiel of like how I um, got into the space. And um, yeah, I hope it made sense. I know I kind of went all over the place. Oh, no,
1: totally. <laughs> I have a follow-up question, you know, as um, a Filipina in the diaspora. <laughs> what do your parents um, and your elders think about your work? You know, you're doing organizing work where you're specifically working kind of, you know, for issues that are happening in the Philippines. Um, what, what's their take or kind of feeling about you being involved in that type of work?
2: Yeah, I think my parents have always been very supportive and like, you know, whatever you feel passionate about or want to do, um will support you. Just be safe. <laughs> but the the piece I think with them is like safety. Mm-hmm. And just making sure, you know, they love their kid. They don't want their kid to face any harm. That's understandable. Uh, other uh, folks in my family have been really supportive too, I think. And like just uh, seeing, I don't know, for them, I think it. Uh, they've like reflected back to me, like how inspiring it is to take up... Um, this work and knowing it's like, it's not paid. I'm not, none of us are getting paid to do this work, but it's like really a labor of love, um, and, and conviction. So I think that's kind of where I am able to find like, um, resonance with them and and them like supporting the work, even if they're not directly involved in it themselves. I, I hope that we can get to that point, but, um, yeah, uh, I think overall supportive, but, It's also been hard too, I think, um, because it's been a long time since any of us have really been living in the Philippines. Um, A lot of us have lost that context or um, just don't have access to that context anymore with elders passing on or um, just elders not even being able to communicate that for different reasons. But it's been like a I think for my family and for myself, too, being in this and them observing me being in this, it's kind of been a way of just piecing together what we can um, and trying to make sense of it together and but still trying to approach it with love and care for each other. So, yeah, doesn't mean it doesn't yeah. come with hard conversations or like, <laughs> why are you doing this? Like, this is this the situation is so hot or it's like it can be so like overwhelming and. um yeah safety stuff. So it's understandable. But I think at the end of the day, there's that shared understanding that this is what we feel called and what we feel God is calling us to. So um, let's just trust in it. And yeah. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: That's beautiful. I've always found that to be kind of a a tricky place to navigate, you know, with um, (laughs) some folks are like, why are you know, why do you spend your time? doing that like that's over there that's not here we left there like it's kind of you know depending on who you talk Mm -hmm. to um they have different feelings Mm -hmm. about what's happening um and I think that's it's always just an interesting thing to see um how folks navigate um in that space so maybe you could share what would you consider to be your organizing origin story You're aware, you know, and that, that, that's a big question. So maybe, you know, if there's like a moment or maybe a movement or some kind of campaign where was it when you were like, I want to dedicate my time. Like you were mentioning, you don't get paid to do this. Most people in organizing do not. What, where was the, the spark? I think like, where did the fire within you get ignited?
2: Yeah, I think it was just through, um, learning more about the conditions in the philippines and the, his, the history too of the philippines um in gabriella uh when i was with gabriella i remember going through some studies around um yeah just the history so we would do we would study philippine society and revolution um, which gives context to the philippines like as a country as a nation um the history like learning about literally like centuries of um resistance struggling against multiple colonizers, the Spanish, the US, the Japanese, just tirelessly and um like seeing the process over history of like learning the mistakes, the the hard earned lessons of um uniting a, a, a nation um under one cause that can um, really serve the whole, the common good. So, like, serve around like fighting for genuine peace or um for justice for those who um have been victimized or fighting for uh like just freedom of speech or like being able to yeah. express ourselves um without fear of like retaliation or who knows what um that's been happening We see that today, but we also have seen that like throughout. The entirety mm-hmm. of the Philippines history and I think like kind of seeing how long and how hard the Filipino people have struggled and how dedicated the Filipino people are still to struggling to, uh, to defend themselves to like defend their the ones they love their land, their communities I think it just really inspired um, yeah it inspired something in me to want to participate in that too even though I'm not there like I I have my first time going to the Philippines was actually just last month so I I, have no like understand experience being in the Philippines until very recently Mm -hmm. so there's only so much I can do with what I can bring but it's still something and um, I I think that's what I really love about this work too is that even like even non-Filipinos have a place in in like continuing to support the Filipino people's struggle for what they what they want for themselves so yeah I think it's just like through learning what's happening um learning that there's still a a struggle going on and that there's ways for us to contribute to that and participate in it was really what like drove it in for me like okay yeah I can do this and it's okay if I make mistakes too it's part of the Mm -hmm. learning process and it's part of us like contributing to the lessons of the 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 work overall. So um I don't know. It was just like uh feeling like a place uh of like belonging or feeling a place mm. of home within um yeah, within a movement uh for a home that I haven't really been able to experience fully yet or get to know as as deeply as I want to. So yeah. Um just a mixture of those things I think really did it for me. Yeah. Thank you
1: for sharing that. Um, I grew up going to the, Phil- mm-hmm. I was just in the Philippines too, in um, December and January. I spent a lot of the time there oh, nice. growing up. My grandfather still lives there, but there, you know, mm-hmm. as I've grown, so you just, what you said right now really, um, I think resonated for me because now that I have kids, um, mm-hmm. I took them for the first time to the Philippines. And, and it was just kind of a different experience, kind of seeing them come alive there and realizing, you know, um, yeah, I grew up here in the States, we traveled frequently, but there was almost this sense of longing for what could have been, you know, like, I don't know if that resonates at all. But it was just kind of this feeling of like, yeah, what would it have been like if my parents, you know, had if my grandparents had never had to migrate, like, what would our life have looked like like why does my son seem so much more alive here like in the sun sweating and like running around with the humidity than he does in california like there were a lot of those type of thoughts for me which i think um you know as as the child of immigrants in the diaspora and this probably resonates like across no matter where people have come from there's kind of that sense of um something i heard my parents talk about a lot when we were growing up was like you know, they would always talk about the Philippines. (laughs) I was like, yo, like we don't live there. (laughs) Like, and they would always talk about going back. Mm -hmm. Um, but they lived there, you know, they grew up there and I never really had that feeling of like, what does it mean to go back? And it was almost like, kind of like a very transcendental type of experience to feel like, oh yeah, like it's not just going back to where you've been, but also like there was something lost. Um, you know for our people when they had to move Mm -hmm. right there were things that had to be left behind and i'd never really thought of it that way i guess so when you were sharing right now like trying to feel like that sense of belonging of of this history of this place that is really so core to who you are but at the same time can feel very distant i mean like that (laughs) i'm like oh that hit that hit you know so that's (laughs) that's so beautiful (laughs) i love this um yeah yeah. So maybe <laughs> shifting gears a little bit to talk like about the work and what, what the nature of the work looks like. Um, we talk about, you know, organizing in general, but also like what is organizing in a faith-based setting kind of look in the Seattle area or wherever it is, um, you know, that you've been able to organize in such spaces?
2: Yeah. So through iChirp, we've gotten to work really closely with IPJC, Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center. IPJC has been partnering with us for about a year, uh, I think over a year now. Um, And through that, uh, it's just been, I don't know, like my own um, personal eyes have been opened, I guess, to like the world of faith-based organizing. I think IPJC has been kind of doing this work for a while too. So in ways I'm also learning from IPJC about what it looks like, um, uh, just knowing like, Having the connections or just knowing the dynamics within different chase uh, church spaces and uh, denominations too, having different like ways of doing things. Um, I grew up in a couple different like denominations, from like missionary evangelical to like four square to like now American Baptist, and just kind of me also understanding the different dynamics in those different spaces. Um, but I think. What it's been looking like is um, locally here for us is um, helping to forward campaigns together around human rights for the Philippines. So One of the big campaigns we do is on the Philippine Human Rights Act, um, PHRA, which uh, is a piece of legislation that our national alliances have been really trying to forward um, to pause on sending military aid from the U.S. to the Philippines. There's like over, I think a, a number we've been repeating is like 550 million U.S. taxpayer dollars since 2015 has been sent to the Philippine military and police. And we've been repeating that uh, number for a while. So I imagine it's much higher than that at that at this point. But PHRA really is calling for uh, like accountability, for justice for those who um, have on the receiving end of those, of those human rights violations, um, for like better stewardship of our resources. Um, like, so it doesn't cause harm to people and can really instead help, um, and address the needs of the people. Um, so IPJC and I trip have been partnering on that. We, last year, we met with our local representative Adam Smith to talk about the PHRA together. We held like a, um, a town hall with our community as well to, have a forum to share more about why the PHRA um, uh, would be effective in, in helping to address these human rights violations. I think in other spaces, we've also been partnering with, um, there's one local church here, Beacon United Methodist Church, that we work with pretty frequently as well, just sharing more about the conditions in the Philippines, connecting it to um, the experiences of like the congregants themselves too, since many are from the Philippines or are Filipino American. So helping to draw those connections too that we're not we may be here physically in the US, but there's still like a lot that connects us back home and really just encouraging that uh curiosity to learn more and to like mm-hmm. reflect on that together and to also like explore ways to to be in service and in love, yeah, serve in love towards um uh our kababayan back home there were other yeah there's a bunch of other things too I think nationally um iTRIP has recently we did this um interfaith learning tour um to the Philippines which is why I was there um so we brought um folks from across the country from um places like Pax Christi um Mary Knoll um United Church of Christ, the Presbyterian Church, um, the UMC to come to the Philippines with us to talk with people on the ground and learn about their experiences under just the continued policies in, in the Philippines. We heard a lot about like militarization and surveillance of communities, especially following like the establishment of the National Task Force to end local communist armed conflict and like the whole of nation approach, which really utilizes different um, agencies of the government not just the police military to it's they call it like counterterrorism counterinsurgency but really it's what we heard from people on the ground is like there's a lot of impacts on civilians and on people um, uh, families who are it's often like the families and communities who face the brunt of um, these really suppressive harmful policies so this trip was really to Help share more about those conditions, and the call for us now is to bring that back here to the states and to share more about that with our communities to garner more just awareness and and support for the Filipino people. but yeah, those are a couple ways we've been mm-hmm. um, really growing the work with face-based communities yeah,
1: that's great i'm I'm so interested in this trip that y'all did this um where, what
2: did you call it as an, an observe an... A learning tr- a learning tour what was the term you used yeah and I think we've been calling it an interfaith learning tour yeah okay
1: that's awesome what what were kind of the biggest takeaways for you you'd mentioned that was like your first time back and and I think was that your first trip ever that you'd said so what were kind of the big takeaways yeah. for you um embarking on that after being in this work and then you know getting the opportunity to go
2: Yeah, it was a long time coming. Um, (laughs) I think there were times, like pre-pandemic, where I would be asked, when will you go to the Philippines? And you should go and see what it's like there, like, especially since you haven't been there before. And like, pre-pandemic, I kind of always felt this hesitancy of like, oh, there's, I don't know when I'll find time. or, Or like, at the time I was working like a full-time job in addition to doing this work so it just felt like a lot and juggling everything but pandemic hits and then I'm like oh no there will never be an opportunity for me to go <laughs> back to the Philippines now everything's shut down oh, who, man, knows how long it'll last. <laughs> who knows how long but um so I was like dang it I missed my chance but um then this trip opportunity trip So take this trip goes along and I'm like, okay, I have to go. It's especially since it's like, uh, there's like a faith component to it. So I just feel like I have to do it. I have to do whatever I can. So I think going into the trip with that in mind, it was, it felt like we were only there for, I was only there for two weeks, but um, it just felt each day felt so full, Mm. but it also felt like not enough time just to experience the the breadth of the Philippines. Uh, but I think what really stuck with me was not only seeing the conditions that, like, I would be talking about, like, through the I-Trip work, um, but just the people, too, getting to mm-hmm. know, like, people who have also been doing this work um, on the Philippines and in different spaces, like, with farm workers and peasants or with church uh Church people, um, lay people, hearing like the stories of folks who like continue to be continue to do this work, even though they faced harassment, they faced threats from like the government to they faced like trumped up charges of things they didn't even do. And all of this being tactics to stop them from like serving the people Mm -hmm. and stop them from speaking truth to, to power too, speaking the truth of what they're seeing on the ground and calling for accountability of like the Philippine government, for example. Some of these like community members have been um, harassed or, or like surveilled for months, if not years. And they've shared stories of seeing like strange people outside their homes in the middle of the night, seeing like folks in civilian clothing, Kind of posted out there just watching um, they've spoken about oh just like just taking advantage of the need of the people too like it's not just activists or organizers that are targeted it's also people who've received aid for from service organizations for like pandemic or for the typhoon so that happen every, every year um, so it's just I think that also resonated with me too just how intense it is and how intense the conditions of our people are like just what they have to live under every day and I think I take that with me home like Mm. knowing that you know I have I had the benefit of being able to go home or to Mm -hmm. get out of that but um the people we met don't have that or they they have to still live with that lingering fear in the back of their minds of you know what is going to happen to my families or me um my communities but still i i think they know they think this and they know this but even stronger than that is the voice of hope within them too like this is you know it's it's a risk to share these stories with these people i don't know from different countries but it's like i want to like put trust in the hope that these stories will just won't go beyond this one sharing and can help amplify what's happening in the philippines and can help the country as a whole and i don't know like help with writing the relationships between our countries too so that it doesn't it's not oppressive or it's not like feeding into the oppression that the filipino people face so yeah i think those are more so than like just the experience of being in the philippines i want to go back already like i feel like yeah I really too much <laughs> of it but i think yeah that longing to go back but also that like what's the word like that the weight I guess of um mm-hmm. the the conditions that they face and the weight now of like the responsibility I have here in the states to share those stories and do what I can and and also like the hope to help with um pushing past those those moments where it may feel like oh man it's so overwhelming or it just keeps going it's like, yes. How much longer will we have to like shout at our legislators to stop or pass the P.A.T.R.E. <laughs> or like I don't know yeah. like what is it gonna take? But the hope helps keep me going. And like it has to be as long as it takes because it's been so long already too for the Filipino people. So what more? How much more longer? Um, how much more can I contribute still so that it doesn't have to be an ongoing like forever struggle of our people? to fight for things that we need mm,
1: yeah that totally hits I feel like whenever I go back home I I mean I was born here I call it home but <laughs> you know how that is but like <laughs> yeah. um I always feel a sense of I, I feel I guess the word I would use is probably like emboldened when I come back like <laughs> whenever I see right and I'm there and it's what you're saying like we can leave like i you know i i don't like it i get tired of it i can hop on a plane and come back here and you know and there's sort of this sense of when you seeing people struggle and fight in the midst of all of that you know it, it kind of i think puts into perspective for me like it's it's different here, you know, um, organizing is still hard. Don't get me wrong. It's very- <laughs> organizing wherever yeah. you are, you know, against any institution is a very difficult thing to do and it's exhausting and it's overwhelming, but in many senses, um, you know, it kind of reminds me, um, even within the organizing world and landscape in the U S that I still move with so much more freedom, uh, from fear, and, you know, or the fears are different. They're not the same kind of fears mm-hmm. that, you know, organizers and activists in the Philippines and other countries where oppression is very rampant. Like, it's it's different. It's different. And it kind of emboldens yeah. me, I think, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But like, am I really? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? you not, you know, it kind of gives me a, a reference point of like, okay, you're right. Mm-hmm. And how, how heavy they lean in, into hope um is is something that has always been so inspiring i think um and yeah. you know emboldening to me to see that because sometimes i feel so you know you're the how long is it gonna take question right <laughs> like yeah. that's always in my mind about like every issue yeah. it's like how long how long are you gonna be fighting for housing right. for basic needs for this for that like insert issue here how long is it gonna take um and we just, you know, we, we come from communities that have just historically, right, had to deal with so much injustice that keep fighting, you know, and it's, I, mm-hmm. I, I love that, you know, being able to kind of be alongside people that will, will help remind you that you know, to keep you in the work in the way that we're in the work now. So that's, that's beautiful. I hope you get to go back very soon. Um, to spend more time. I know, right. I'm like, I'm already trying to go back and I just got back in January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always trying to go back. (laughs) So you had mentioned some legislation that you've been working on. I'm wondering, um, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about the specific issues that you're working on with iChirp and, um, how is organizing around those issues looking for the upcoming year and, you know, kind of what's ahead?
2: Yeah, so one of our major, yeah, mentioned one of our major campaigns is for the Pink Human Rights Act, the PHRA, um, and um, it's like one of the major campaigns we've had for the past couple of years. Really, though, at the crux of that and all the campaigns that we do carry forward, it's this issue of human rights for the philippines but not just human rights but fighting for uh people to people solidarity so solidarity with the filipino people versus like the state the government <laughs> of the philippines um which we know has like ties to yeah causing these human rights violations and harm on the people so how do we in our different i trip spaces across the world garner that people to people solidarity so Um, Here in the US, it's us like uplifting what's happening and also fighting for tangible ways that we can help, if not like end it completely, at least alleviate the conditions in the the Philippines. So suspending military um, aid to the Philippines from the US um, plays a role in that. We've been doing a lot of advocacy and partnership with other like organizations around like anti war issues anti militarization um along those lines as well, since we know um major corporations here in the states in the pacific Northwest even also help i guess equip the or provide the means to be able to suppress the people, so things like providing weapons or like military um like drones or um uh bombs uh i don't remember the exact models but like helicopters and other things like that so mm-hmm. and those are used by the the philippine military police to surveil to um uh yeah intimidate the people on the ground especially in like the countryside um there's tie-ins there around like access to land and the richness of the philippines but um which is uh something we tie in also here too in the states of like Why are the people like, or why is it so hard to um, preserve the sacredness of the land, I guess, when there's so many forces Mm -hmm. trying to get at it? But there's that too. Along those lines, um, we have campaigns around calling for justice for um, those who have had their human rights violated, including political prisoners. So um, we have campaigns around, um, there's one campaign around justice for um, someone named Louis Halandoni, who um is a National Democratic Front um peace consultant. And so as part of the National Democratic Front, is one of the folks who um would engage in peace talks between the National Democratic Front and the Republic of the Philippines. And these peace talks um recognizes as a way to help address the root causes in the Philippines, since a lot of these like Like the whole of nation approach, this um, task force to end local communist armed conflict, this like um, suppression of people's voices. A lot of it is tied and rooted in the ongoing civil war in the Philippines, the ongoing armed conflict between um, like the National Democratic Front, like folks who are um, trying to create and fight for a system that really censors the needs of the the people versus like like capitalists or like. non-people focused interests i guess like Mm -hmm. um profit for example between them and then between like the government of the republic of the philippines so these policies by the philippine state we recognize are like responses to the the heightening of the armed conflict in the philippines um and it's not just as we saw in like this interfaith learning tour it's not just folks engaged in the conflict themselves that are Mm -hmm. um feeling the impacts of it it's civilians it's non-combatants it's yeah like people who um aren't even tied to the conflict um or like are involved themselves in the conflict so a lot of our i think work moving forward will be to help highlight that highlight the um the situation in the philippines continue to like um, enrich what we know of like the the conditions of the people and the relationship of that to what we see in government, what we see in like the ways like the current president wields the government or doesn't like really meet the needs of the people, exposing that and using that mm-hmm. to inspire um, action um and solidarity for us here in the u s. Uh, alongside the people in the Philippines and Filipinos around the world too. Um, yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited. It's yeah. I'm not just coming back from the Philippines. It's just been so like, yeah. Let's go. Let's tell everybody. I want to just like blast it on like the, I don't know, the internet or the the radio waves, whatever. Like, just people need to know. Or it's a lot of hard work, but I think, yeah, it's it's just inspiring to me that, uh, yeah, despite these, like, continuing struggles, um, there's still ways that we can continue to fight against that and defend each other against that, too.
1: Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I mean, my next question was, like, what excites you? <laughs> about the movement, and you were just like, it's so exciting. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know if you want to expand on it a little more about what what is exciting. I think, you know, it's always so important in the work that we do to highlight, you know, what is exciting or what is hopeful in the moment? Like, where do you see potential for like a lot of, you know, maybe wins or just leadership growth or, you know, potential coalitions and alliances? What's exciting for you on the forefront right now?
2: Yeah, I think just growing the the movement of people um, to, to take up this work with us. Um, uh following our um interfaith learning tour we're planning to do report backs or like sharings of what we learned here locally um but nationally there's already been some sharings with our like I-TRIP, um alliance calls and um things like that nationally we also have um like a national faith working group so being able to grow that as well um grow the partnerships within that space to then um across the country be able to strategize how we can um, grow that support within our faith-based communities too and yeah I think the intersection of faith and organizing has always been something that really inspires me or um, mm. that gets me excited because that's really yeah. the the connection of why I am in this work in the first place and um, it just feels uh, I don't know it's like there, I mean, yeah, just thinking, like, of where what I wanted to do, like, in my childhood or, like, growing up to, like, where I am now, it just feels, like, the most solid and meaningful, I think, to me. And so being able to bridge those two worlds together and
0: mm. help others
2: to find that bridge also um, in, like, recognizing for themselves, like, this is part of our calling as people of faith. And this, like, there's so many parallels, too, between like what it means to be in a as people of faith in a community of faith and like praying and integrating in each other's lives and um like um attending to like our needs together and seeing that in organizing spaces too it's very similar like we're seeing yeah. the problems together. We're attending to each other. Um because this is hard work and it's not gonna be resolved in a day unfortunately, but <laughs> we need to be like um in it for the long haul and we need each other for the long haul too so how do we also like take care of each other in the long haul um recognizing that that's also part of how we can contribute to the work of um like seeking justice and hope for for everyone um Mm. yeah i think seeing that like trying to foster and like better understand that relationship personally too is what excites me a lot about this work overall
1: Oh that's beautiful. That I'm ah, like <laughs> 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 Okay. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that today. Thank you so mm. much for that word. Aww. Um I guess maybe just you know to close out um is there like a challenge or a call to action something for the folks listening um that's related to the work that you're doing that you'd love to see people engage
2: in. Yeah, I guess a challenge would be to just, if you are not familiar with what's happening in the Philippines, please, um, there's like so many groups are across the country that are doing this work, not just ICHIRP, there's like, there's the Malaya Movement, there's the Kapatan Alliance for the Youth and Students, there's, yeah, other organizations involved in different ways from different like sectors of 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 communities that are doing this work, and so would really encourage folks to Um, connect with us, even if it's out of a place of curiosity at first to be like what's happening and why is this so important like talk to us about it we would love to talk to you about it too. Um, I know there will be like report backs on this, particularly this interfaith learning tour coming up throughout the country. Um, I think IChirp will be posting like a a complete list or a fuller list Mm -hmm. of that so far um, to for folks to plug into. Um, and then I u s. will be soon um, sharing some educational discussions and resources on international humanitarian law um for us to just better understand, like, yeah, what is what is within our power? Like what are the current like systems in place around accountability, around justice, for human rights, um and what are ways that we can continue to advocate um in support of Not just the Filipino people, but I think just all peoples um, within this international humanitarian law context too. If you, yeah, if um, you want to get involved in lobbying work, legislative work, the PHRA is a great way to get started on that. (laughs) Um, We would love people to like just talk to your legislators about the Philippine Human Rights Act, Um, and not just your legislators, but also like just your community members too, Mm because it's not just we need this grassroots movement as well to help push the work forward and then i guess just if you really would love to get more involved in this human rights work this people's to people solidarity work i uh, would encourage folks to join i um, um if you have churches or faith communities that would want to take part in this work too we have a national faith working group that we can also we would love to like plug folks into as well to grow that movement but Yeah, I guess those are a couple ways. um, (laughs) Challenges, I guess. Well, challenges.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for sharing your story and you know your your heart and just your passion and and hope for you know the the work that you're doing and for the communities that you know you belong to and that you fight for i think it's always just a great thing um to spend time in conversation and building relationships with organizers across the country so thank you so much for sharing
2: thank you for the time this was really fun (laughs) thank you the inner community peace and justice
0: center is sponsored by 24 catholic religious congregations Grounded in the charisms of our sponsoring congregations and Catholic social teaching, we build community to act for systemic change in our church and world. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Any notes or references from the interview can be found on our website at ipjc.org slash justice rising. You can follow IPJC's work on Instagram at IPJC Seattle. If you like this episode, please consider donating to support our work at ipjc.org, as well as hitting the subscribe button to follow along wherever you get your podcasts.